0: Athens Citizen of the Year is selected by the people who won the award the previous five years. For 2020, that was Drew Douglas, Willie Robson, Milburn Cheney, Freddie Paul, and Steve Barksdale. With the pandemic in mind, this year the group decided to honor the medical community of Athens. Here's Steve Barksdale. We want to honor,
1: as Citizen of the Year 2020, the team of doctors that we have and then the doctor society we have here, the administrators that we have for each one of these facilities that help generate what we have here, uh, the nursing staff from the nurses at the hospital, they have to endure a different type of thing than nurses that, and the assisted living have, all the different things that they have to deal with. We're looking at clinical people that are behind the scenes, that are in the labs and, and helping serve and then... We're looking at non-clinical, which is those people that have to clean up every day and every hour. They're walking down the halls with a mop and with a spray and with a wipe down. And, you know, they're trying to keep the COVID from even coming close to us. And then our first responders. You know, how would it be like if you and I went in to help somebody and they're dying of COVID and we don't have any protection other than we're just going to pick them up and take care of them, put them in the ambulance, you know? Or air flight' them, something like that you know it's just it's it's mind boggling to me that they have the heart and the passion, which is their that's what they've chose to do, but think about put yourself in their shoes, what do they feel like when they have to go home and thinking, Well, you know, do I have covid am I taking it home with me? you know and um it, I, the fear factor there and and only by the grace of God that we've been blessed that we have this group of people that we can at least highlight, and we just didn't want to leave anybody out. And so we want to make sure that anybody that's a care provider of Athens, Texas, deserves to be our citizen of the year for 2020.
0: To highlight the medical community, we chose to talk with someone from each of the major areas Steve mentioned. Doctors, nurses, administrators, clinical, non-clinical, and first responders. Today, our guest is UT Health East Texas Athens CEO, Scott Campbell. Give us some of your background. Tell us what you do and and how you got here.
2: Well, I'm Scott Campbell. I'm the CEO of UT Health Health Athens. I uh, have been in this business of uh, privilege, really, of providing oversight to healthcare facilities for many decades now. I joined uh, Ardent Health in 2018, so the most current transition to here would have been uh, serving as a CEO of Bay Medical uh, Sacred Heart Trauma Center in Panama City. That location was impacted by Hurricane Michael, a Category 5 hurricane, in the fall of 2018. The result of that was that Ardent and the joint venture relationships we had there, we, after having the hospital closed for maybe... 75 80 days we reopened a portion of it to step out of that arrangement uh, the sale to the other um, system the Catholic system and uh, once we had that portion reopened Arden asked me to consider coming to East Texas to be part of the UT Health East Texas acquisition process that had just started earlier uh, in 2018 so about about a year after the ardent acquisition of UT Health East Texas. Uh, I came here to be the uh, initially the interim CEO of the Athens facility and then really fell in love with East Texas and the people and the medical staff of course and the various caregivers and that uh, that enabled me to and my wife to want to settle in East Texas and make this our home. So that's a quick update. Otherwise it would it would take me over 30 years. So that's the most current story
0: so you have 30 years of experience in this industry um we have l- talked to so far doctors and nurses and ems people but you're unique in being in the administration and in a way that i don't think uh, anybody else is your job touches every single other part of the medical community in athens would that be a correct way to
2: well, it would be, uh, I think, fair enough to say that a hospital of any size well represents a community, especially when you're the only facility, only hospital, there are other medical facilities, but the only hospital, and I've, I've led a very competitive market, so there's multiple hospitals, and still we were a large contributing component of representation of the community healthcare initiatives based upon you know, the, the demand and then supply services to meet those needs. Um, here, of course, we have the privilege of being um, in a well-regarded healthcare system that has the hospital. We have uh, a number of great physicians supporting us, and caregivers, nurses, and other technologists and team members. And then we also have in our uh, UT Health East Texas Athens the Cedar Creek Lake facility. So that spans a northern portion of Henderson County, not Athens, but in Gun Barrel City, representing Cedar Creek Lake. And I think that's even more to your point, a larger macro representation of a pretty sizable circumference of area. It's not just Athens, which is a wonderful community and has its own established opportunities and needs, but you go further north, 20 plus miles, and you're in, you're in the Sea Creek Lake area, and our facility there provides freestanding ER, and then the patients that require hospitalization will be transferred to um, UT Health Athens, to UT Health Tyler, one of the other facilities and uh, our system, if, if appropriate, and uh, or to obviously the patient's choice. Very importantly, the patient's choice, if it were to include another facility or even uh, perhaps to uh, to Dallas, if if it was their, their decision. So the reason, especially from gun barrel because of proximity.
0: Yes, sir. So of course, the reason we're talking is because of COVID mm-hmm. and 2020. And from your position. And again, you, you're very unique because you came here from a hospital that was impacted by a major weather event. And so you've been through, you've been through this catastrophic sort of um, situation before. W- what was the impact of COVID on the hospital and Athens in particular?
2: Well, contrasting the way you introduced that question would be having lived hospitals in Florida other places where hurricanes or perhaps tropical storms are coming, perhaps you can use the tornado effect here, you do get a little bit of notice. And we've also had historical periods of drills that have run to prepare for and what occurs if you're in a perceived area for tropical storms or hurricanes. So in that location, in Panama City, the size of it, it was well beyond what we would have anticipated. However, pre-planning way before the notification storms coming was a little bit more in the more predictable wheelhouse the The pandemic of this magnitude in my career I' have certainly seen where you had the onset of Ebola maybe twelve years ago or something very significant in different parts of the country um, and had a season well perhaps uh, the onset of uh, HIV virus of prior years and, and 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 how that impacted our country. This particular pandemic uh, of course is so significant because of its impact was not just a season or if a hurricane or something even destructive came it had a window it was that portion is gone and then you recover thereafter but when you consider the size and scope of what's happened with COVID-19 then uh, it did draw upon our capacity to be able to facilitate quickly into a previously non-diagnosed vaccine. And of course, there were so many you probably reported on written about uh, relative to how did it, how would it compare to the flu? And obviously, uh, many folks would, would look towards that process. And initially, the very term coronavirus is, and I'm not a physician, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not trained in infectious diseases, but is some, can be symmetrical to a cold or something of that nature, but the COVID-19 being a, a different virus that i ever seen before, it, it definitely, as you've said from others you've interviewed, it, it certainly struck a new uh, chord of lessons learned in how to respond. Um, I think though, however, because we are well-prepared as a large health system in so many ways, we're part of a, of a joint venture with a great health system, UT Health in total, We span enough in this market, we're part of Art of Health out of Nashville, Tennessee, with other states in the country that were experiencing COVID, perhaps even a little more aggressively before we did in East Texas, specifically in New Jersey, I think you said you're from Mm -hmm. New Jersey, so the New Jersey, New York area, as you remember, were the most notable initially. Uh, We were able perhaps to draw from what was lessons learned, even in New Jersey, at the hospitals there, and to be as quickly responsible best practices and policies as possible uh, concurrently, day by day, frankly. Uh, we have a great medical team at this hospital. We have a great group of doctors and caregivers. We have also inside of the UTL system those that are extraordinarily well trained in other aspects of whether it's um, critical care, uh, pulmonology, uh, uh, infectious diseases and so forth that at a Tyler or within the total system that we're able to give a lot of guidance and oversight on best practices pretty quickly on how we would be able to address, again, I use the word concurrently, what would be the opportunities for ways to uh, be sure we're treating our patients as you might imagine the very best of care.
0: So, so in that situation what you're talking about I think is the fact that Day by day, you're getting information at the uh, at at the um, um, level of the entire hospital system. I'm sorry, you're getting information at the system level that's being distributed to the doctors and being distributed and put into practice every single day. Because I remember that New York got hit so hard, and one of the things I had heard was that the lessons learned in New York were being put into practice in texas when texas had its wave
2: well so we did things here within our hospital as well across UT Health east texas we we yes we were receiving information from with ardent health collectively and within the, the deposit knowledge within the healthcare system here in east texas but we formed uh, a medical a covid medical committee covid 19 medical committee uh, which was you know large comprise of our um physicians, very specialists here at this campus to help give us administratively, our nursing leadership, myself, finance, everything, what would be some of the best guidelines. So we didn't go with this um, as, with respectfully, a hospital CEO who now, this is my 30th year to have been a CEO, plus more beyond that in other capacity before I became a hospital CEO, it was collectively using the talent of the medical staff here so that Athens Definitely incorporated best practices within Ardent, within UT Health East Texas, but every hospital is unique to its own care and, and its community. I should point out that uh, Ardent, early on the onset, Ardent Health, under the, uh, the guidance, certainly uh, key, gui- key guidance of our chief medical officer, Dr. F.J. Campbell at Ardent Nashville, we begin to have weekly, several times per week, calls to give over of what was occurring at each location to report, to learn from each other, to share examples. And so uh, we're really fortunate at such a difficult time, in my opinion, that we were part of not just a tremendously well-run system here, interconnected to UT Health, Science Center, and all the knowledge, the capacity of the, the great medical providers uh, who are here in Athens, Tyler, uh, obviously centric. Uh, with the academic component there, but also from a national level, we have uh, you know emphasis by Art and Health in total uh, with Dr. Campbell and other, and then the medical directors of each division. So Dr. Tom Cummins is the medical director of UT Health East Texas. So we were, re- we were really fortunate that we had local strength, regional strength, Dr. Cummins and, and the collective group out of, out, out of Tyler, who were part of uh, uh, certainly the great knowledge and wherewithal they brought to the table, but also are to health on a national level. And to your point, we could draw from what was happening initially in the area of New York, which was certainly historically large, uh, but also other markets across the country as it went in different waves. And perhaps some could say that we were obviously feeling it here initially, as others Our it used ramp up, but our onset, the more higher propensity of COVID mm-hmm. came here, as you know, a little later at the higher level than other parts of the country, and then it did come on pretty strong here, and so very strong in fact
0: yeah we and, we and were lucky not to get that first wave until like the middle of July and yes. then it really started to ramp up
2: yes, and so we're we're i i, I, I we're real, we're very proud of what's been accomplished here in Athens and within the whole east Texas system in order total
0: I, I i was interested in you talk about the local committee you you here at the hospital put a covid committee together mm-hmm. yes um, what, what was that what were what was the job what was the job of that committee what were they doing
2: well so you would always take the leadership of medical staff historically you have a chief of staff vice chief of staff other leaders and they draw from this uh, the skill set of each of their giftings, be it uh, primary care cardiology types of surgery you having to look at what how would we re- how would we be able to prepare for respond. Earlier before you queued us up, we talked about being sure you had all the PPE, mm-hmm. that you had all the training, you had the protect- protective gear for uh, all of our caregivers, the doctors themselves. Obviously masking has been a national term that's used everywhere. We obviously have had that familiar in hospitals for years, especially people saw in high isolation areas and certainly in surgery and so forth, but um, emergency rooms and ICUs et cetera, but then that became a big part of what would go on for the types of masks we would all use as caregivers, the types of masks that even I would wear as a hospital executive. I make rounds in the hospital, I'm available, but this committee was intertwined in all that. Every detail of policy, being sure the patient care units were, uh, as necessary, segregated, that we were prepared to handle, uh, that we have enough ventilators to support the demands of our hospital. Everything from equipment, staff, policies, practices, and it was it was obviously important and important to the nurses and team and this community that the medical team, some of which you've already probably interviewed, were uh, on site with us. We were in this in a, in a team-centric manner, which enabled it to be, I think, um, very, very effective.
0: So for you as an administrator, what was the hardest part of all of this? What was the most difficult part of dealing with the past year?
2: Well, I think that I use the term often of uh, I a pre-season executive, I'm yeah. like dating myself in age, but pre-season executive, I like to refer to uh, experience gives you a, a pretty deep toolbox. As time goes on, experience is one where you can reach into your toolbox of experiences and you pull out at least reasonably similar responses to, to things that are coming up that I've seen because I've, I've led hospitals in seven states. So that level Gives me uh, another examples when I mentioned the hurricane. I've been around tropical storms many times. I dodged Hurricane Andrew, early '90s. Missed that by just a little bit, but we were prepped for in case it th- hit that part of Florida. But the toolbox on this particular one was more distinct than I had seen, or, or to, to draw from it, than myself or others had had uh, given. But maybe the blessing of it all and is you opened up with some some way uh, God in his handiwork of my life and others and I'm one only one person I draw from the team of the clinical experts but having been through a number of events the most important things you begin to learn what do you ha- how do you respond how do you respond quickly and clearly you get into a command center concept and you have you surround yourself with bright people uh, when you asked earlier about me being sort of a, a, a large a higher level of seeing what's going on in my community I've, I've often said a CEO of a hospital is a little, reminds me of an orchestra leader. and you're setting up for the symphony to play. everything needs to sound really good. What's considered was a success by those folks who review plays, symphonies, dramas. but this this was real life. So again, orchestra leader, drawing from all the talents of people, I'm the CEO, I have the guidance of the administrative aspect of the hospital. However, you have a medical executive committee that gives guidance to the medical component. You follow me? Yeah. And that's in their wheelhouse. Sure. We lean together, intertwined like when I say, rope. It's a positive way of intertwining, being stronger together. And then we have a board of trustees, of course, which is also uh, highly comprised of a number of uh, leading physicians in the market. So we have a really consortium of talent helps us be successful.
0: So. What I hear you saying is that your job was like the orchestra leader, to keep things going or whatever. You weren't going to be telling a doctor what was the best technique to use. However, you would make sure that the uh, correct people who knew that were going to be involved so that you could all come up with the best way to treat patients in the hospital.
2: Absolutely. We have a strong chief nursing leadership. We have a strong subset of, of leaders in our ICU, our surgical departments. Absolutely, and I must say, uh, maybe people think I'm, I'm a, a coach to say this. It's a natural, easy statement. We have a really great team of people here in Athens, and having led hospitals of all kinds of sizes, sometimes people wonder, well, what about a 127-bed hospital versus a 300-bed hospital versus whatever? Our folks here are, are excellent and responded in this uncertain pandemic period really well. Did a great job. So.
0: From the outside, in the, in the middle of all this, um, you know, what we keep on hearing about is, you know, we're worried about hospitals getting overwhelmed. That was one of the biggest problems. If you, I remember very back at the beginning of the entire pandemic, the uh, key phrase was flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. We were talking about flattening the curve, uh, making sure that um, uh, our medical uh, community doesn't get overwhelmed. Um, how did that go? Did we ever get to a point where you were like, okay, we're getting close here. We might have to do something drastic. How did things go in Athens?
2: Well, you mentioned uh, the transition. We talked about where East Texas was having a presentation of COVID as well from the beginning, but not, not the high propensity we began to see. So we were, uh, however, aware of what could happen is if we were to need expand our our unit capacity and or segregate patients more carefully. And we began to go through that process as all hospitals to be sure that the you had the number of ventilators if necessary, patients be on vent. Um, the good news is we, we always had support from our trauma center in Tyler, that's larger, has the uh, in, higher level tertiary care. So we operated within The the skill set, and it's an excellent one, of a hospital where we are right now, but if and when we were at a place where a patient needed to be transferred out of our ICU to uh, a tertiary care facility, albeit uh, our UTL Tyler most likely, or elsewhere, we were prepared to go that pathway. Our physicians are familiar with reaching a level, that's their training, to refer Michael or Scott, if need be, if we're a patient, to to the next level. that went really well here. But obviously, the story in Texas began as time went on to show that COVID became a much higher census, perhaps, than we knew would occur, as it probably did in other locations. But I, I do believe overall we, we managed very well within UTL East Texas. I'm thankful for the, the support of uh, the other hospital, larger hospital in Tyler that could be a, a backup to us real proud of how well our physicians that committee and others were watching and guiding what we did here to be sure that we had had the patients uh if if an icu patient or if they were covid not icu that we set up we were able to segregate a specific unit Do you follow me Mm -hmm. that allow them to be isolated even more so that then helped to you hear the term quarantine in some respects it it further quarantined the area of the hospital so all the staff they were in that area, were increasingly prepared and know those are the patients they go care for on that th- particular day. We also took the steps here as uh, within uh, the other UTL, these Texas hospitals, probably mostly across the nation, of limiting visitors to come into the hospital uh, for the very sake of, of themselves, much less if they could spread, but also to protect anyone else in case they might have somehow obtained exposure to COVID. Innocently in the hospital. That
0: had to be really hard because I know there was a lot of people who really did not appreciate that step, mm-hmm. as as much as it was, it was necessary. I know some people didn't like to be told they couldn't come in.
2: Well, it's uncomfortable, you know. It it, it stemmed from you had the uh, examples of the, the joy of a baby being born. Here we have a very very um, we're proud of a very vivacious, robust obstetrical department here with tremendous. Volume and tremendous outcome and excellent scores by patients. So if uh, and I'm um, I'm, I'm my, myself, and my wife. I say a long have been away from giving having birth. Or she giving birth to our children, but at that time, one of the most joyous events was now that we gave birth to beautiful uh, daughters in my case. Uh, and but we and I could be present as time went on from the years when I was born, maybe you and dads didn't go into the delivery process and now they do. Long ago. And but immediately the families were able to be in the room and 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 share the joy, in post labor delivery of the new birth, and we couldn't do that. So obviously we made a provision for the father to be present or a significant other to be present. But we, you're right. So that's just that's that's one that stemmed probably most uniquely, to all the way through the people that were in in ICU, and over time we began to become a, a little bit individualized along those lines. But uh, in the front end, it was it was especially very carefully I say graded, meaning carefully watched, and sure. but to a degree it still is. <clears throat> on the obstetrics, I remember coming out of the uh, going out to the parking lot out front where I needed to go where my car was parked to go to the business meeting, and on a day when a, when a young lady giving birth to a child, it reminded me of a tailgating scenario. Sitting right out here outside the door, I could show you when you leave, was <clears throat> a lovely set of grandparents. And family members who were under a truly under a tent because it was you know it was still warm Texas weather, uh, different than the last few weeks. And I love seeing them there. They wanted to be on site to be near the birth of their grandchild. Yeah. But they couldn't be in the room, right. and that was joyful that they did all they could, but sad that they couldn't. Sure. Then you go to the extreme where uh, it's not the birth of a child, and and maybe more considered joyful to the the difficulty of a very ill family member, perhaps even ill to to dying, and the limited ability for us to be present, someone to be present with their loved one, was very it, it, it touches my heart emotionally. I come from a long line of ministers and ministry is really what I look at our world of caregiving. And it was it was difficult for me as the um, senior leader of this organization here to realize I felt it. Does that make sense to you Mike? I Absolutely. felt it for the sake of our community. And we would have people occasionally call, as you might imagine, uh, about this, this. But they understood. People respected, I think they very much respected the policies. We implemented the best practices and policies we could for the care of the patients and for the care of the family members. I think that
0: as I've done these other interviews and I've talked to um, members of the medical community, that's been the biggest thing. That emotion about um, number one, the 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 inability for families to be present with people who are sick, right. and number two, the quick decline of some of the older folks who um, caught COVID and were just gone before you could do anything about it.
2: Well, uh, it obviously is unique to our whole industry. It's been it, going back to, we could talk about this for days, what it's been like to watch evolution of healthcare improving consistently with what we are able to do today, every day, all the time, we're improving. I mean, improving now with the ability at the national level and local level to provide the vaccines that is going to help be that the hurting process to minimize hopefully prayerfully COVID uh, going forward as we've done flu vaccines and uh, on a lesser pandemic level type thing in the past but clearly for the emotions you've mentioned of nurses and physicians and others to be accustomed to having on the birth of a child all the way through the, the most difficult portion leading towards a terminal, terminal illness and terminal to death that you had limited capacity to, sh- to allow family to be present, that's hard, it's, it's very difficult one that I pray we don't ever see again in our, in our, in our future. I mean, it was just very difficult.
0: How have you seen, um, the medical community, the staff, the doctors, nurses, everybody who's involved? What do you, what do you take away from their response? And I'm not talking about the fact that they were professional and they did what they were supposed to. I think, um, uh, the reason that, um, the medical community is being honored the way it is is because everybody realizes how professionally and how um, how well the community, the medical staff community has responded. But what do you see with just the way it impacted them personally to go through a pandemic?
2: Well, I believe that, that um, an easy way to answer that all of our physicians are, first of all, we're all humans. We all have a heart um Made in the scriptures an image of God, and, and a heartfelt manner uh, to compare, have com- compassion and care. Physicians, nurses, others, myself even, chose to go into this field—a calling of sorts. People talk about ministers calling, policemen, firemen, doctors having been in healthcare. This is actually my—I'm I'm at the 40th year being around, around hospitals since I was a very very young man. Uh, you, you know, people sometimes might wonder the mystique of a of a well-trained physician uh, whose time spent for sometimes as many as 12 to 17 years, total college, all through fellowships, and so forth. Um, they, they may not always understand just what goes on in that man or woman's mind. Um, over my long career, what I've watched has been the nature of man that they care deeply about their patients. They care very deeply. And... Do not treat them as just a hate to say a statistics that makes sense so every life, Scott, Michael, whomever is important to them. and so in this timeline, I've had the privilege of watching continuing watching what I'd learned long ago, the level of that transparency of their humanity being present, wanting to do as much as possible within the limits of what knowledge was still coming down the pike if that makes sense to you, and providing great care and the great work, great professionalism that you mentioned. But also being, I mean, it's very heartfelt. There's a touching group of doctors here. Uh, we are in a small community. They know them really well. If you're in a community of a million or millions of people, don't get me wrong. Everyone cared for them personally. But there are physicians on the staff, some of which you have interviewed, who may have practiced here 40 years. So they may have literally been, uh, they're d- delivering the, the, uh, patient they care for at, at a middle-aged life, their children, their grandchildren all the way through, they have generations. You found me some had generations. Some had just gotten here. So I saw the contrasting opinion of someone maybe 40 years or maybe four years or even four months. I saw still the same things, Michael. The the, the heartfelt love of people was evident. Um, when we talk about physicians as scientists, really, you know, again, it, it's not molecules and just the processing of procedures, doing things. They love their people. They they got into this business, they were called to it. I believe that they their hearts were pulled to the nth degree in this process. Did it improve a little bit over time, perhaps somewhat, as not they didn't change their heart, but they began to feel we all began to feel increasingly comfortable as time passed of what were some of the more likely predictabilities of what could happen with this most difficult virus. So what
0: did you learn most? I, you talked about your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess, you know, being someone who's been in this business for, uh, you say you've been around hospitals almost forty years. Almost forty years. Um, you, I know you take something away from every unique situation. What do you take away from 2020 and COVID?
2: Well, you now add to that box, the history, uh, an experience of a pandemic, one that some have said they haven't seen in our lifetime, of course. Going back to the Spanish flu or something maybe 100 um, years plus ago, uh, you, you, we encountered something that we had not seen. I, a, largest, a large takeaway for me would be the capacity and capability of our physicians, staff, and others locally, within our division, across our company, who rallied up quickly as an set. You hear the term first responders, which could be uh, paramedics, EMTs, could be uh, uh, firefighters, others, they call first responders, any number of folks, and certainly folks in emergency room are first responders, first person you might see. Um, but the manner in which they, they responded was quick and intelligent, compassionate, caring, and also um, it became clear with the longevity of it that they continue in it, what I call for the long haul. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. It became, maybe it's become somewhat like a war, if that makes sense to you. When you consider now the comparative across the country of over 500,000 people have died from COVID. And when you consider the comparison, I'm not the historian, but I had a father who served in World War II, thankfully, he for his three years, he obviously made it and I'm I'm, a, I'm birthed because of that. But um, there were maybe 400,000 uh, folks, men, largely they passed away or died in the war, and we've seen half a million plus. That is a notable and, and very difficult portion of history in my career, and I'm sure for every physician, I, I talked to many different doctors who would say, admittedly in their life, this was you know the most unique they've ever seen." How, how could it not have been, even what they maybe had read about in their lifespan of, of study?
0: So. When you look back 10 years from now, you're talking to somebody about Mm -hmm. 2020. Is there anything that happened that's going to stand out to you as far as that's the image that's going to immediately pop into your head? That's the time, that's the scene that's going to define 2020 and COVID to you?
2: I would think the word curative comes to my mind. How did we as a local hospital, as a health system in East Texas, UTLS Texas, as a company or the health, how do we, on a national level, respond in a curative manner to bring healing to our patients as quickly as possible? And it will always be unique, at least, in, in, because I'm, if I live be 100 years old, then, then I, maybe I probably won't see anything quite like this again, but in the likelihood, is in my lifetime, I'll look back and see this as um, far more unique than a Hurricane Michael, as difficult as that was, very difficult when a community is that devastated. People lost lives there too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But this one, in its prolonged manner, the curative nature of it was also uh, long-standing. Does that make sense to you? It wasn't a short curative, and you know, for as long as I can remember, uh, a, a good long while, the flu shot process has been part of our life. I can't remember just when it started. Obviously, I'd be misspeaking. Probably I picked a date, mm-hmm. but on personal level. I have been running hospitals enough that I've been getting a flu shot for several decades and or I would have been part of going to see a physician who would say, We suggest you get a flu shot. And we've just only gotten started in the last months with a vaccination process that will be at that increasingly that curative piece to help prevent it. And then curative meaning how do we how do we respond when people are getting it? So that's the first word that came to mind was curative. Right or wrong, that's what I thought of.
0: And you talk about the vaccine. What are the things that you think that you see that will be a part of our life now as we move forward that we'll always will always have?
2: Well, I, I don't know again, I'm not qualified to know how long masking will be effect, will be a part of our life or when would that might those types of initiatives might sweep in. God forbid similar types of unique strains or variants are coming in could come into our country. And I'm not qualified to distinguish that. But I think you'll, you'll probably see many, many functions of our country will be uniquely different going forward. You know, when we went, when we went through 9/11. I was in Pennsylvania. But I could be anywhere, but I'm in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like I said, Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, a part of our health system. So we're three and a half hours away from New York City. That far out, three hours out. That far, that close by, the blood draws were significant. I saw college students. Standing outside, other ages outside of our hospital, the patriotism to be able to give blood, to ship as needed, to care for people, but policies changed as time went on to what the screening process, right to be able to to get on a plane. Um, again, this is outside of my wheelhouse, but mm-hmm. in terms of practices to address illness and or the thinking process of illness or any number of factors of travel or first places you might go, um, how we are. Mask or how we respond in times of other waves like this that come along, I think I think it's going to be different going forward. But then I'm an administrator. I'm not a physician. I'm certainly not qualified to work for CDC. But I th- I think that this will help set a stage for something way beyond my scope of knowledge that helps us to look at how do we continue in this era 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 of of, uh, of, a, of a pandemic that continues, and even as it transitions away to some Lower level, hopefully, preferably soon. I, I just think we'll we'll always have our, our arms up on this, and I, it, it may be good. You know, we consider hand washing, Michael, which has always been a very important, one of the most important elements in this process. Was what hand washing, right? Not touching your face, touching your nose, in periods of of this, and it's been a big part of infection control for hospitals forever. There'll just be new extra portions of infection control. I think that we'll continue to execute.
0: So. As the administrator of the hospital, or as the CEO, what do you think, what do you think when you hear that the medical community has been named the Citizen of the Year for Athens?
2: Well, first I want to thank you for you and know, the collective group process. <clears> the <throat> we change we're thinking <clears throat> to enable a buffet of folks. I, that may isn't the right way. We're looking at a plethora, a uh, span of people instead of just... Uh, one individual, so which was always important, obviously. But um, I believe it was a great process. I'm on, we're honored to see the community support the hospital, physicians, nursing, other caregivers, other people involved in the process. We're proud of what we uh, have done as a health system, and continue to do so. And being part of that honor is tremendous for us. Um, so. I honor you, you all for, for looking at it in a more widespread way, but I'm very honored for our hospital to be recognized. Our folks will be very proud when this is coming out that says that there's extra recognition for the hospital specifically.
0: Scott Campbell, thank you very much for spending some time with us.
2: Thank, thank you for the invitation. Take care.